Welcome to the Biotrove Podcast. We've been waiting for you. Sit back, relax, and find out what is happening in biotechnology today. We hope you enjoy your podcast. Hi, it's Liz Parrish from BioViva. Uh, we're committed to extending your healthy lifespan. And today we're here with our partners, Integrative Health Systems, explicitly Dr. Sewell, who is our lead gene therapy specialist. Dr. Sewell has an extensive background in uh, both oncology, radiology, and regenerative medicine. He's worked with stem cells. He's helped develop the robotic arm for the International Space Station. He has worked in immunotherapy with cancer patients. And he is with us today to talk about Clotho. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Sewell. Hey, Liz. Good to be here. Well, we have, I think it was about 2016 that BioViva became very interested in a gene called Clotho. Uh, Clotho seemed to be extending lifespan in model organisms and would have a myriad of health benefits to humans. Can you tell us a little bit about what Clotho is? Yeah, so Clotho is a, is a protein uh, that's predominantly in the kidney and in the brain. And it does a, a number of things with the, with the it's, a, it's called an anti-aging protein, basically. It's neuroprotective, anti-inflammatory, antioxidative, um, reparative, and it's a, it is a, it's a, a great therapeutic agent for not only the neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and ALS, but also for chronic kidney disease. And so we're looking at using Clotho gene therapy to address uh, treatment of all those diseases. When we first started looking at Clotho here at BioViva, and sorry, my cat is meowing. <laughs> we love your pets. <laughs> we love our pets. We want them to live a long time. Uh, when we started looking at Clotho in 2016, we were specifically looking at it because it had beneficial effects on chronic kidney disease, like you were saying. Uh, but then the, the uh, paperwork and the research started opening to all of these other additional benefits of Clotho, uh, including the cardiovascular system and something that people have a really big interest in, in today, which is uh, your cognitive health. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So, so Clotho, uh, to start with the kidney part, which it, it's all interrelated, but Clotho is, uh, plays a very important role in the, in the kidney, in kidney disease. We see declining levels of Clotho in chronic kidney disease, and we see increasing inflammation and increasing cell death, and we see aberrations in phosphate and calcium levels in the blood and vitamin D uh, production, all when Clotho, Clotho de declines. Um, when, in the animal studies, if you, manage to do gene therapy so that they have more clotho, you see reversal of all this. You see better homeostasis of the calcium and the phosphate and the vitamin D. Uh, you see repair of the kidney, you see less renal fibrosis. And so it, it turns out that clotho is a marker of kidney disease, but also it plays a role in keeping the kidney healthy. And, and when the kidneys 
mineral homeostasis starts to go awry, you get the vascular calcifications uh, and you get you, your phosphate and your calcium gets all messed up. Um, that in turn leads to arteriosclerosis and heart disease and cardiovascular disease. So keeping the kidney healthy minimizes your vascular disease, which is, which, which of course in the central nervous system, vascular disease manifests as stroke or transient ischemic attacks, et cetera, many strokes. But for, it turns out that in the, in the brain, the clotho also plays a role in protecting the myelination of the nerves, uh, protecting the, the cells in the hippocampus, and in the animal studies, when they gave clotho, they had increased cognition or they got smarter. They actually did tests on these mice with mazes uh, and they, in, in a matter of hours, their, their intelligence quotient increased dramatically. So we get a lot of people contacting us about that sort of benefit of uh, cognition. They wanna be a little bit smarter in their performance. And that's what you saw in the research. What are you seeing yeah. in patients? How are patients tolerating Clotho? Uh, they tolerate it fine. Um, they're, they're no, we haven't had any, we don't expect any side effects from the Clotho therapy and we, and we don't have any side effects from the AUV platform that we use either. Um, and so across the board, it's very safe and, and very well tolerated. Um, with the Clotho, uh, we expect to see increased lifespan, increased cognition, uh, and reduced oxidative stress on the cells, which means less disease. And so it's protective against diseases like Alzheimer's, uh, which is becoming more, or dementia, just say dementia. It's protective against dementia, the many kinds of dementia. And dementia is out of control in our population. I mean, it's, a hu it's, it's an increasingly, ever increasing percentage of, of, of people who get dementia every year. So um, we want to, and it's, it's gonna be a, a major, it is a major, and it's gonna be a, a, a massive drain on our medical resources, taking care of everybody with dementia. So there's a race around the world to find treatments for dementia. And Clotho appears to be a very bright, promise towards preventing dementia and if you have dementia reversing dementia or treating dementia yeah we were really excited about a paper that came out a couple of years ago that showed that patients who have apoe4 which puts them at a high risk of alzheimer's disease did not suffer the cognitive decline of the disease if they had clotho and that really started to get us to dive even deeper as one of our initiatives uh, is a funded study right now with Maximum Life Foundation to look at the effects of gene therapy in Alzheimer's. So yeah, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that study and how you're recruiting patients? Yeah, so it's a, it's a dementia study. It's not specifically for Alzheimer's. It's for all causes of dementia because there's there's a common uh, pathology to all the dementias. There's some different pathologies in the various frontal temporal dementia versus Alzheimer's dementia, uh, which is multi-infarct dementia, uh, which is probably a vascular cause. Uh, there's some there's some more obscure dementias that I, that I can't remember the names of, but they all have degenerative changes in the neurons, demyelination, uh, increased uh, free radical formation, basically garbage buildup in the cells. 
and clog up of the clogging up of the of the uh, refuse systems in the brain. And so you get sluggish thought and sluggish motion and uh, uh, sluggish movement. Um, and it's congestion, it's vascular congestion, it's garbage buildup, free radical buildup. So uh, we're looking at a number of, we, we use telomerase, we're looking at clotho, and we're looking at PGC1-alpha for all for treatments for these, these class of, of dementias and, and all of the neurodegenerative diseases, including ALS and, and uh, Huntington's disease and um, uh, Parkinson's disease because they all have a common pathological thread, even though they're distinct differences, diseases. Um, so we, right now we have a, a dementia study where we're recruiting patients. It's sponsored um, by the Maximum Life Foundation. So it's at no cost to the patients. Um, and they receive clotho and telomerase in, in two different arms. Um, and we have a number of patients that, that have signed up and, and have received it and everybody is doing, has tolerated it well. And we're, we're, we're waiting to see the, uh, we're gathering the clinical data and waiting to see the, the results. Yeah, that's really exciting. So a lot of people will contact us about the gene therapies that we're interested in extending human lifespan. And they ask us, how do we do this outside of gene therapy? And we did read some literature that maybe probiotics could help and lifestyle changes. Uh, but outside of that, uh, it appears that people have less and less of this protein, regardless of the basic interventions that they do as they age. Is that correct? Or is there something? No, that that's people... correct. That's correct. Clotho declines with age. It's, it's, so if you, if you address the de declining levels, you, you combat age, the changes of age. Um, declining clotho goes hand in hand with the, the symptoms of aging or the process of aging. And so it's thought by many that increasing clotho levels and, and then the small amounts we have been able to decrease, increase clotho me, uh, levels by exogenous routes or injecting clotho protein itself, we have seen reversal of aging. So we're taking the, the position that we're gonna uh, dramatically increase clotho levels with, genet with gene therapy. And we should see a much more exaggerated benefit than just the temporary one from exogenous clotho. And you get, you get a, a decreased inflammatory markers, decreased uh, tumor necrosis factor, interleukin-6, uh, um, all the things I mentioned before, the, the changes in, in clearer thought, increased IQ, uh, clarity of thought, um, and then the, the motor changes, uh, we expect to see improvement in all of that, and on, on all the diseases, to a degree. We'll see which ones respond better or most compared to some that respond somewhat. That's part of the uh, part of the analysis. Well, I think, Dr. Sewell, really what is the association with clotho and chronic kidney disease? A lot of people today are suffering from kidney disease, and actually, it was estimated that you know upward of ninety percent of people over the age of seventy-five have some form of chronic kidney failure. There's a strong association between declining clotho levels and kidney disease, or chronic kidney disease, or, or renal disease, renal decreased renal function. We use a lot of terms, but the, uh, there, there are stages of kidney disease, stage one, two, three, four, 
dialysis is the last one, renal failure, you're on an artificial kidney machine. That's called renal dialysis. Um, and that is a horrible way to live. Uh, you, you have to, basically you live in the hospital as an outpatient. Every other day you have to go to the artificial kidney machine and, and it's just, uh, there are personality changes that happen because the artificial kidney machine is not nearly as good as your natural kidney and cleaning your blood. So uh, there's long been an effort to provide a substitute for your natural kidney that's as good, which we haven't reached, or to prevent the, uh, the incidence of kidney disease. And unfortunately, there are diseases that we get, like diabetes and high blood pressure, which are very prevalent, as we all know, in our society, and they cause kidney disease. So if you have diabetes and you have high blood pressure, you're at very high risk. A high percentage of those people will suffer later on in a decade or two kidney disease. And if they get kidney disease, then you get nerve damage in your legs and feet, and you lose feelings, your your ophthalmic nerve, you lose vision, you get retinal disease, all sorts of problems. So uh, uh, it, when we look at kidney, chronic kidney disease, we notice that in Clotho, we see that Clotho declines as kidney, as kidney disease increases or as kidney function declines, Clotho declines. So um, we can follow kidney disease based on the Clotho level, and we can also treat kidney disease by increasing Clotho because with decreasing clotho levels, you get fibrosis in the kidney. And, and as we talked about earlier, you get uh, aberrations of the calcium and the phosphate uh, mineral levels in the blood and vascular calcifications and worse blood flow to the kidney, which leads to more kidney disease. So it becomes a vicious cycle once it starts. Um, we think we can give clotho to the kidney and reverse the changes of kidney disease. So say you have stage three kidney disease and you're facing dialysis in five years, we believe we can give clotho in the kidney artery and reverse the fibrosis of the kidney and get you to stage two or even stage one potentially. And that's what we're looking at with, with intraarterial clotho in the renal artery. Wow. I also saw that lower levels of clotho are associated with calcification in your arteries. And this has to do with the system of renin and the kidneys. So what's happening first? Are the kidneys failing and releasing? Why do people get high blood pressure and can clotho help? Yeah, well, clotho can help. Uh, you get fibrosis. When the kidney gets damaged, you get fibrosis and it doesn't filter as well. And the kidney is also a the kidney, your blood pressure is maintained by a barosensor in your carotid arteries and in your kidneys. And when, you're, when your brain senses low blood pressure, it tells the kidneys to constrict everything. And it does this through this renin angiotensin, angiotensin one and two system. And that's all tied to the function of the kidney. So if the kidney, if the kidney starts to malfunction, then you get uh, you get malfunction of your renin angiotensin system, your high blood pressure maintenance, and if you get scarring of the kidney, it can't respond as well. So it's a it's a interactive process with the brain uh, that that is trying to manage your blood pressure and the the managing one of the managing organs that, that with the sensors is kidney, and if it's damaged 
then the information's erroneous and the blood pressure is not read correctly or it's not dealt with correctly. So it leads to high blood pressure. So that's what I, when I was reading about the angiotensin two with the COVID outbreak, I was a little bit confused because it's implied that the your body thinks that you have low blood pressure and then creates high blood pressure. And so I was wondering at what point did these people have low blood pressure, but you're saying that it's just a, a system failure because the kidney is damaged and therefore does chronic kidney disease underlie most uh, high blood pressure cases? Well, there are a number of causes of, of high blood pressure. There, there's what we call essential high blood pressure and not essential. There's a, a known cause of blood pressure, high blood pressure, and there are most of them are unknown cause or essential. We call it essential. It just exists. We can't really pinpoint why a person has high blood pressure. Um, it could be any number of these factors that we're talking about. But people with kidney disease suffer from high blood pressure frequently because of the nature of the damage to the kidneys and the role the kidney plays in maintaining proper blood pressure. So, you know, our goal will be to use these technologies at scale, uh, get most people access to them, hopefully all people in the future. And that, you know, requires getting the cost down on these therapies. They're expensive now, but I would say the world can't really afford to wait. There are five regulated gene therapies in the world right now. They're each a one-time treatment for a lifetime cure. So that shows the power of this technology. Today, a lot of people are on, when we're just talking about high blood pressure, they're on things like um, drugs that lower their blood pressure, but they have a lot of potential negative side effects. Is that true? Yeah, that's exactly true. And, and if you look at the economics of gene therapy, you know, you, you just stated that gene therapy is expensive. Uh, right now, we're hoping to get the cost down. Well, look at, look at Parkinson's disease, for instance. Some of those drugs are $10,000 a month for Parkinson's. So in a year, uh, and that's with insurance, they might be, you know. They look affordable. <laughs> yeah, or three or $4,000 for this one medicine. So if you had a $50,000 gene therapy that would cure your Parkinson's disease, uh, in one year, you'd break even, or less than a year. So third-party payers should pay for it. Um, why would you want to spend every month $3,000, $6,000, $10,000 for the rest of your life when in a year, that if just say it's $5,000 in a year, that's $60,000. That, you could do a gene therapy on Parkinson's disease for $60,000. And if, if third-party payers paid for it, then the cost would come down even further. If it, and the FDA approved it faster, uh, if we get things through faster, so, you know, it, it makes sense if the therapies work, of course. So we're in the phase where we're evaluating the therapies. And I would hope that when we document that they work, then they'll be rapidly accepted and, and, and distributed. And we'll be able to offer it to many more people at an affordable price. That's right. So, you know, for people who are watching and listening, every one of our videos um, is about your 
advocacy. You need to get out there. You need to demand access to technology. You need to share and like uh, our information because we are all about uh, trying to get these therapeutics to you at scale. Uh, we have we have actually developed this drug development platform for uh, funds, VC firms, and for our own interests in drug development in order to get the first data on humans without it costing millions of dollars so that we can expedite the delivery of drugs to you at a more cost effective uh, rate. So, you know, please get out there and share and like what we do. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Sewell. Uh, your work is heroic, uh, to say the least. Uh, you are a real star in a, in a dark sky. Thank you so much for all the work you do and helping all the patients that you help. And let's cure aging. <laughs>